Sometimes we hit a season of life that challenges us to the core. We have a picture of what life should look like in our head. And when our actual life takes a different course, it can feel brutal and disorienting. This kind of loss is something we don't often acknowledge. The grief of what could have, should have been against the reality of what is. Today on the podcast, I had the privilege of speaking with Robin Gooding, an embodied business strategist whose approach to supporting women changed dramatically once she found herself navigating a painful fertility journey and devastating miscarriage. Robin shares openly and honestly about her dance with grief and the ways she's learned to find gratitude in the struggle. She also speaks to her uniquely beautiful way to support her clients to reject prescribed shoulds of the coaching industry and towards an approach to business that feels embodied and aligned to who they are and the season of life they're in. Robin is a global business strategist, a certified life coach, and currently certifying as a feminine embodiment coach. She works with feminine visionaries who are daring to rebel against rigid business practices and rather lean into their own intuition and wisdom, whilst also being supported by world-class business strategy. She's a mother to a five-year-old daughter, wife to a pilot. She's studied, lived, and worked all around the world, South Africa, Japan, South Korea, Hawaii, Berlin, Vanuatu, to name a few. And she currently calls British Columbia, Canada home. Her work is devoted to the economic mobility of women who desire to no longer choose between parenthood and purpose outside of the home. She works with coaches, healers, holistic practitioners, and service providers in the personal development and wellness space. With a decade of experience, she has helped build hundreds of profitable businesses at various stages of growth with the sole intention of reminding her clients that they can build an incredible life and business their way. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Robin Gooding. Welcome to the Sensual Alchemy School podcast, where we explore grief, pleasure, and the sometimes messy, always beautiful paradox that exists between the two. Here, as we center the experience of our wise bodies through the archetypal feminine, we ask. Within a culture that perceives emotional, intuitive, and creative intelligence as inferior and avoids pain at all costs, what if grief were our compass and pleasure our medicine? My name is Kate Leeper, and I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome, everyone. I am so delighted to be having what I'm sure is going to be such a rich conversation with someone who I have um, really felt a connection to, even though we are miles and miles and miles apart, <laughs> other ends of the earth, um, for some time because her work really speaks to me as something so important and powerful, uh, particularly in the world of creativity and entrepreneurship. And so I'd love to welcome Robin Gooding to a chat with me today. Welcome, Robin. Thank you so much, Kate. I appreciate being here. I'm so excited to chat with you and to share with your community. Oh, it's so beautiful. I 
you know, you're all the way over in Western Canada. I'm here in Australia. And um, we actually initially connected because you were a participant of the Feminine Embodiment Coaching Certification with the School of Embodied Arts. And I, I remember actually meeting you. <clears throat> um, I work for the school. And so I met you in the very first enrollment call. And I was like, oh, there's something about this woman. She just brings this beautiful energy. And it's been so wonderful watching you as your work has unfolded and uh, deepened and, and matured. And so I knew that I, I wanted to have a conversation with you because you call yourself an embodied business strategist. And so we're going to really dive into that. You know, what is the difference between an embodied business strategist and a uh, regular mainstream business strategist? I mean, I can, you know, <laughs> I can uh, have a few guesses, but I just think, you know, for women creatives, there is so much more that we can access, you know, in, mm -hmm. our, in our work and how we, how we bring it to the world. So we are going to really dive into that today. But before we do, Robin, I hope you will indulge me. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions to really just tune in, drop in to how you are today. <laughs> because I think sometimes we kind of go into this, you know, we want to go into this story about who we are and what we do, but let's just take a moment to just mm -hmm. <sighs> arrive. And I'd love to ask you, if you tune in now into your body, mm -hmm. what sense of loss is present in you right here, right now? What do you notice? Oh, I notice a, a loss of a more naive version of me mm. that I sometimes yearn for <laughs> because with life experiences and with I don't know, growing up, not growing old, but growing up, there's this experience of life that you get your stripes a little bit. And, mm -hmm. and I sometimes long for that wide eyed girl who just had so much wonder and everything was possible. And, you know, and I still have her within me for sure, but now she's much more grounded and much more grateful too for both for the duality, but mm. that previous version of me was not really in the duality <laughs> of life. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. And so when you kind of feel that in you, what do you notice in your, in your body? Like, is there a sensation to that or this loss of naivety? Yeah. It's like actually an opening of my throat, which is interesting for me because that's a part of me that I censored mm -hmm. a lot and that often felt restricted. Um, I frequently share that when I had my daughter, I didn't make a sound when I gave birth. It was wow. like very internal and I was just very contained. And so this version of me is much less contained, mm -hmm. much more raw, much more connected with her primal wildness and and that sensation is definitely in my throat heart chest area wow yeah i i get a real visceral sense of that i love that and so on the flip side or it actually doesn't sound like the flip side because you you mentioned this word yearning but i'm also curious if you can locate 
you know, what longing is alive in you right here, right now? Oh, yeah. Um, This whole season of my life has been really about timelines. And so, and the pressure that I have felt in relation to timelines. And so the longing is really for peace around that, like just really making the present and this season. Okay. Mm, Wow. Yeah. I hear you. I really Mm do. I've, I'm turning 40 like in a month today, actually. And there is this real sense of like, should I have done more or am I in the right place or am I running out of time? I can deeply relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you notice that? What happens when you feel into that longing? Oh my God. For me, that's just like, get out my head because, mm-hmm. you know, like the more I do this feminine embodiment work, the more I realize the systems we've operated in have created these conditions for us that are superimposed. They're coded into our soul unless we remove them mm-hmm. around what we can do, what we should do different ages, different biological clocks, different um, identities that are attached with how we're showing up in the world in different seasons of womanhood. And really like just getting out of my head and into, for me, it's my stomach when I feel that like anxiety or that like, oh yeah, that nervousness or that pressure of like, this is not enough. Yeah. I need to relax that sensation. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think that that's such a nice way to kind of begin our conversation and to just get a feel for you, you know, and and just a sense of where you're at. So thank you. I appreciate that so much. You're so welcome. And so from here, I would really love to know a little bit more about, you know, what it means to be an embodied business strategist you know what where have you come from I guess that that there's this sense that being an embodied business strategist it's important to really claim that um, within maybe a culture that doesn't uh, Mm -hmm. appreciate or even acknowledge the role of a body in business and particularly in strategy Oh my gosh, that's loaded. I could talk about this forever, (laughs) but essentially I come from a long lineage of traditional big business. So I got my start with Subway Sandwiches, the franchise. I managed one of their Western Canadian portfolios fresh out of school, managed a multi-million dollar portfolio in very early twenties. And so that was really my entry point into business in a, in a bigger level. Like I always felt entrepreneurial as a child. I always had lots of little things going. I had a dance studio and anyway, a bunch of little things. But when I got into like the big marketing, big business world, it was very eye-opening because it was profits over people. And I'm not specifically talking to Subway as a brand, but like from there, I worked with a lot of different companies. I ended up moving to Japan and working with global companies um, in my own business role as a consultant. And then I moved to Toronto, worked on Bay Street, which is kind of like Canada's Wall Street uh, with many, many 
big, big businesses, some of the most powerful companies in Canada. And so throughout this journey, I, I just started to notice that I had this real value where I thought business could be a love letter to the world. Like business could be a conduit for healing and business could propel people and the planet forward. And yet there was this real gap in some of these big businesses were saying one thing, you know, their PR, their brand was one thing, but then behind closed doors, it was a very different reality. And so I had this real conflict of, I love business. I love entrepreneurship. I love the, the way that we can change the world with our ideas and our creativity and all of these cool reasons to start a business. And yet this like capitalist society and the, the systems, the economic structures that we're operating in are not at all cohesive with my values and with who I want to be in this world. So what needs to shift? right? That was really the conversation for me, what needs to shift. And I started to just get really, to put it blatantly, sick of making rich men who didn't care richer. And I started to see specifically women and marginalized women getting kind of like squeezed out of these systems and having to make some really, really hard choices and I decided I wanted to create this business that I currently run as a way to give women more choices. So whether that's financial, whether that's more time, whether that's a different way of being in the world, a different way of bringing their ideas into the world, that's really like the heart of what I do. And so when you ask about the embodied part, it's about so much more than the system, the economic structures that we've all been grown up with, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're creating a whole new world and there's no blueprint. So what can we co-create together when we really tap into our, our wisdom and our body's wisdom? Mm. Oh, there, I mean, there's so much in what you just shared then. And I can really hear, <laughs> um, you are just so born for this work, you know, and what, I, what I really heard there, particularly when you spoke to this this desire to work with women in ways in which they can access more choice, right? That word choice is so interesting because I feel like until we move away from this paradigm of, of understanding choice as simply an intellectual kind of reflection, we are actually only able to access a very limited number of choices. We don't have this wide, vast, deep range of possibility available to us when Absolutely. we're only kind of, yeah, connecting with each other around these kind of these limited choices that we've been taught are available to us. And so that excites me. It's like, I mean, I, I know in my own work, all of a sudden, when you tap into this wellspring of wisdom within the body, choice is like there's this whole uh, whole new landscape to choice, oh, exactly. right? That we just had no idea was even there. Mm -hmm. So how have women been responding to, I suppose, understanding, yeah, that there is more choice to them when they really drop into their bodies around their business. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. There's two folds to this. The one is that when they really feel into what they desire, they move away from the shoulds. And oftentimes they find that they started their business or they wanted to start a business for the wrong reasons. And so they create these patterns of resistance within their business world that they're frustrated by. And when they actually feel into what's beneath that and what they really, really deeply desire, there's this huge shift. And then the second fold is when people think of a business strategist, we instantly think of prescriptive approaches, right? The formulas, tell me what to plug in here. What can I do there? And there's absolutely that element of experience and wisdom that I can share with my clients. But a big part of it is what feels right for you and how can we co-create a solution that's not this like power dynamic of me exerting dominance over what's actually true and present for them as the client and as the CEO of their own business and and the world that they're creating, because we're not just creating a business, we're creating a life, we're creating a, a community, we're creating a legacy, a body of work, something so much richer and bigger than just, I want to make 10K months or I want to retire my husband. A lot of the time people will come to me with those goals. And then throughout our journey together, it evolves. And they realize mm -hmm. the things that they thought they wanted were actually empty. And there's something way richer beyond that, that they can now access because they're actually giving themselves permission to do more or differently mm -hmm. to what they're seeing around them. And that's like, I love that approach to business strategy. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is literally laying the foundations for an entirely new model, right. Of leadership. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm so here for this. And I think when women are all of a sudden exposed to the truth at the heart of why they feel so compelled to do what they do, there's this kind of earth shattering, <laughs> you know, realization, um, at their own power. Yes. And I wanted to talk to you, I guess, a little bit to contextualize this and the way that you're working now, you know, you shared with me that previously in your own business and your own service and creativity, vanity metrics, right? Where the be all and end all, it was like, well, if I'm liked this many times on social media and if I'm shared and if I'm, um, you know, if I have the image that somehow conveys success, then that's the thing, you know, that's what I want. And you shared with me that actually there was a period of, of your own embodied exploration and really getting honest with your own truth around what you're here to do that had you um, move away from that and really become disinterested in that. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd really love to know a little bit more about your story, like what really cracked you open mm -hmm. and, yeah. and allowed you to, to move away from that model and into this more embodied, truthful, grounded way of working? Yeah, that's such a beautiful question because it's it's been a journey. And, you know, I think 
I had, I had my skill set and my success offline. And so when I translated that online to the digital marketing world, I really got caught up in the whole, I'm a business strategist. I have to show that my business is successful. I'm teaching people how to market online. I better show them I've got X amount of followers or um, that I'm having X amount of cash months and like all of this. And I would see that modeled for me and the people I hired and in the groups I participated in, you know, everyone was having a seven figure year and a multi six figure launch and a whatever. And there was just something that felt really off about it for me, but I did it anyways, because I thought I had to. And, uh, yeah, there was just something that was really weird. And I started to notice I was sabotaging my own success. And I was really playing small because I felt uncomfortable showing up in that way and, and putting that kind of pressure on myself. And then I really went through a really painful fertility journey. And that was my catalyst for like shaking up everything in my life. I have a five-year-old, she's turning six in March. Uh, getting pregnant with her was so easy. It was beautiful. It was just a very different experience. And for the last, I'm in my third year now journey of conceiving our second baby and having a, a really painful miscarriage. And it just like opened up this world within me that I'd never accessed. And I just realized how disembodied I had been living. And I was confronted with some really hard truths about my motivations, my life, like, what do I really want? Who am I really like, what am I, what am I putting out in the world? And why does it even matter when like, you're feeling so raw and, and so painful, right? And business just felt so shallow. Mm -hmm. And money, there was no money in the world that could fill the void I felt. And so, yes, I was having big months and yes, I could say I had, you know, I think one of my posts was I made 60 K in six weeks. And, and I look back on that now and I'm like, yeah, like I can be proud of that. And also at that point in my life, I just felt so empty by that. And so as soon as I really allowed myself to feel, to heal and to sit with that tension and that heartbreak and that redefinition of woman and mother and like being confronted with all the ways that I was attaching worthiness to things outside of myself, whether that was having the successful business, having the big months, helping my clients have big months, being a mother, having my body do what I always thought it would do, all of these things. I was just feeling so ashamed and, and just so disconnected from like my true self, I think. Mm -hmm. And so doing the embodiment work and going through that journey and really connecting with myself, just it shifted everything. Like I just value aliveness so much more than any amount of money. Mm -hmm. I value working with dream clients so much more than any uh, like large course sale month of people I never get to meet. I gave myself permission to really lean into the one-on-one -on -one work that I love so much, even though it's not the same business model that you can scale that I was taught to see. I mean, I know we're seeing more people scaling it now, but I just gave myself permission to do the work I love and to show up in a way I love and to do it with people I love and to allow my business to nourish me and not define me.
And that was a really big thing for me. Wow. Oh, firstly, Robin, thank you for just your willingness to really be vulnerable in that sharing. I feel like it's so important to know and and to give ourselves permission to actually show up in the fullness of who we are and have that not take away from this professional identity that, you know, we're so trained to curate, but actually have that be such an addition, such a vital component to the work that we're doing to, Mm -hmm. you know, our contribution. It's like knowing that about you and understanding your relationship to loss a little better and what actually catalyzed this this shift feels so valuable. And, you know, it it feels like you must give so many other women the permission to really do the same in their own lives. So that's really amazing. And I wonder, you know, you use the word aliveness and it's one of my most favorite words because I think once you actually like have the experience of aliveness after a a very long period of maybe not being able to define it, but knowing that it's definitely not aliveness (laughs) when you actually are able to feel alive in a new way in your body, there's, there is this sense. And this is what I'm getting from you that like, okay, I can never go backwards from that. Like I can't actually do anything now in any aspect of my life that isn't honoring aliveness. Yes. So I'm wondering how the loss that you experienced, particularly in your ongoing fertility journey and the miscarriage, how coming into a relationship with that loss actually allowed you to then meet with this sense of aliveness that was, that was within you. Right. Yeah. You know, the thing that's so fascinating to me is, well, there's two parts to this. One is definitely that, uh, professional conditioning of like, how do I show up for my business when my life is like falling apart right now? How do I hold space for clients from a place of integrity and, um, and like professionalism and clean energy. What do I need to do to be able to do that? How do I communicate this with, with them? Do I share it with my online community? And I realized just because I'm human doesn't mean I can also be really good at what I do. Mm-hmm. And how can I give myself permission to be human and to live a very human, real experience And then maintain those professional standards and those professional boundaries and communicate it in a way that isn't going to be dishonest, right? And so someone said to me, the personal is universal. And that really landed for me because it's so true. And I mentioned at the start of this conversation is this timeline piece. And for me, I just had this picture of the family I would have one day and two kids closer in age together. And it's now, you know, she's going to be six and that's a significant age gap for me based on what I had expected or dreamed of. And so that was part of the grief for me is that she's not going to have the sibling relationship that I always wanted her to have. I'm one of four and we're all very, very close. And I wanted that for her. And then 
the other grief is like, what if I can't have any more kids and I have only one beautiful child? And then what does society keep telling you about only one and the, the lonely only and all of these things coming up. And I had to really check myself there around the shoulds and the, the weird stuff in my head around this. And then look at how that was showing up in my business. And I realized I was living in this very like next year or next two year lens of life instead of like, this is my lifetime. Like I have a lifetime to create a family and it can look however it looks. I have a lifetime to build the successful business I want to create. I have a lifetime to achieve the things I dream of on my vision board. It doesn't have to be the next three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. And I think that's part of the feminine embodiment process is like really slowing things down, being in the season, allowing yourself to be in a season leaning into those ebbs and flows, not making yourself wrong, not making the season wrong, not making the timing wrong. And like really trusting the process and trusting that your process is not only yours, but it's working out for you. It's not like you're in this battle, which I felt, I just felt very much like I was going to war, you know? Yeah. War against my body, war against the algorithms, war against, like, it was just like constant battle internally. And when I could soften and surrender and just be like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You're held. It's good. It's beautiful. It's working out for you professionally, personally. I just stopped caring. Like I, I have a multi six figure business. I actually don't desire a seven figure business. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I don't want that. And so I don't need that. And I have one beautiful child and how lucky am I to have her? And like, my God, she's amazing. She's everything. And yes, this family have been given. It's so beautiful. And if that's all it is, that's beyond, you know, and just that gratitude piece. I don't think... Like gratitude is so much deeper than most of us realize. And when Mm. we can really feel grateful and grief at the same time, Mm. we realize how, how powerful that really is. Yeah. Yeah. Gratitude and grief. Such a fascinating, (laughs) such a fascinating relationship and dance you know, and it is, it is an intentional kind of, um, an exploration. It's, I think it's one of my favorite things and essential things for my own practice is actually intentionally creating space to allow for multiple truths to exist within my felt experience. Like that was revolutionary to me when Mm -hmm. I first started this work and it's, and it continues to be revolutionary. I think for, for others who find this work is just the simple notion that you can both feel a sense of despair, of sorrow, of whatever the flavor of loss or grief might be alive in your body. And you can also feel, you know, and it is also true that there is a sense of gratitude, that there can be a sense of okayness, even pleasure 
that coexist simultaneously. And to actually feel that in real time, you know, it's not a theoretical concept, but it's actually like the work is in being able to invite and welcome that in and, and just be like, wow, (laughs) they're both there and neither one actually detracts from the other. I feel both shitty and fine. (laughs) And it's really that simple. It's not simple at all, but it is that simple in, in the recognition that this is my full, you know, this is two very distinct um, qualities of my humanness and they're, they're in me. And so mm. I'm hearing that you really, you know, in accessing or in really coming into your body, it was, it was there for you to find the truth yes. of the matter that, yeah, there's Absolutely. so much to be grateful for. So much. And and I don't think we realize so many of us have been disembodied and especially during hard things, it's easy to disassociate. It's easy to check out. It's easy to numb and whatever, uh, but how physical those emotions are of both grief and gratitude. Every emotion, every experience has a very physical sensation attached to it. And to to allow myself to feel into the depths and the darkness also broaden my capacity for the good stuff, for the joy, mm-hmm. for the vitality, for, and I don't even want to say good stuff as if one's bad or wrong, but the things that I, the state of being that I enjoy more, um, for sure. And I think for me, one of the hardest things after being so heartbroken was, am I ever going to feel joy again, the way I did before. Like I feel different. The way I view the world is now different. And for me, it's been amazing to expand the truth for both sensations in my body, because so often when things have been hard, we don't actually give ourselves permission to feel good or to feel the joy or to feel that aliveness or the pleasure. And oftentimes subconsciously. So like my prayer for this year is just God, show me how great it can get, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm open to all of it and I have to be open to the pain and the heartbreak and the grief and the loss and the shedding of identities and perspectives and timelines and all the things in order to be open to receive all the other things Mm -hmm. that I want to. Yeah. Yeah. And so how for you, how do you make space for grief, for loss, for what, you know, even in a typical day, if it bubbles up, if there's this wave, how do you meet it and honor it? I, I have so many tools that I lean on from breath work to meditation. I actually am very regimented right now where every single day I either do yoga or Pilates. I meditate. I spend a minimum of one hour in nature. I go for an hour walk every day. Like I really have built my life around my well-being. And I think that's the difference too, is that I don't start my work at my computer. I don't think in like the nine to five day structure. I optimize my well-being and everything else 
falls into place. And so I think when you know that you've supported yourself and you've given yourself space and time to feel and to feel into those sensations and to sit with them and to work through them and to uh, just be present with yourself, the waves don't knock you as much, right? And so it can then be this like beautiful relationship with all of it, without it needing to feel like this internal tornado that just blows up and then blows everything up. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm finding really helps for sure. Just Mm -hmm. like very devoted rituals. Yeah. Oh, two of my other favorite words, devoted and rituals. And, you know, you've touched on such an important point. And I think what many, uh, what might stand in the way of many women who feel like, okay, yeah, there's a lot of grief there. There is a lot of loss there. There, There's layers. And I know that quote unquote, I should (laughs) um, move towards it. And, and that would be good for me. And yet I think that there's this, um, and I speak about it a lot, that there's this idea that we have that if we create the space to feel and to let grief in that we will drown, you know, that we will just not recover. And what, you know, what you're saying is that actually by purposefully creating the space in your everyday with devotion, you know, in a ritualized way, not just like a kind of routine that is because you need to lose weight or you need to look better or whatever, but it's no, it's use the word regimented, but I, I, I got a much softer <laughs> vibe yeah. from your energy that it was the ritual. Yeah. The, this ritual that, that was actually, you know, for you, it's implemented or they are implemented in your days because the intentionality to be present with what is there And if that is loss, if that is grief, that it's like, well, no, here is the window. Here is the space for me to let that come and to lean into it. So then I can actually let, like make room for other things, make room to feel a certain way to like, you know, move towards what it is you desire. And so yeah, it's it's actually the opposite, you know, when we create intentional space to feel and these supportive kind of systems in our life that we can begin to integrate grief in a way that doesn't just completely take us down. Totally. And, you know, one of the things that's really important for me is to constantly check in with my own energy. Like, what am I bringing to my daughter? What am I bringing to my husband? What am I bringing into the home? What am I bringing into my business with my clients? And so if, if we don't create that intentional space, it's easy for all of that messiness to leak into places it doesn't belong. And, you know, and then we think we have to be so contained that we can't even access it ourselves. I remember Brene Brown saying that joy was the bravest human emotion because once we experience it, the fear of not having it or the experience of not having it is terrifying. And for me, joy was my word of the year for last year, which was my most grief-filled year. And I remember saying to myself, I was always scared to fully be present with joy because 
then I was scared of like the other shoe dropping. And when the other shoe dropped, I was okay. And so this like very strong sense of self-trust can really guide, it, it guided me at least through, through grief, the sense that it is safe for me to feel my grief. And some days I did drown with it. And also I trust myself in my resilience. I trust my strength. I trust my path and I'm not alone, right? Like mm -hmm. this is the gift of your work and coaches who show up from like the most beautiful place of like wanting to be there to hold space, to offer healing, to guide. Like we have access to such an amazing support system that we don't have to do it alone. And, and so many of us just don't share the grief. It's something that I've noticed no one talks about until you start the conversation. And then mm -hmm. they're like, oh yes, I also had the same thing or whatever their version of it is. But we don't welcome it as an experience easily into our lived experience. And yet it's inevitable. We're all going to feel loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, precisely. And and that's what's so fascinating. It is just, it is the one thing that we literally cannot escape <laughs> is loss. And I think that you, you totally hit on it. It is, it, the flip side is that joy is in its inextricably linked because if we are also willing to wholeheartedly welcome joy, then that is terrifying to imagine that we could lose that. And so I think so many humans walk around the place so frightened to open their heart fully to joy because it's just too risky, right? Yes. What we love, we, we will lose. And yet because we are so unfamiliar with welcoming grief, that's heightened even more so because exactly. grief and it right is like this big shadow looming over the top of us. And yet it uh, it's quite extraordinary how when we just begin to kind of dip our toe into the grief that's present, and again, this does not even have to be like big cataclysmic grief. You know, this isn't, I'm not even just talking about like those enormous crises. I'm talking about like what you were saying, the, the ripple effect in your fertility journey of like the deep sense of loss that maybe your family picture might look differently to what you had imagined growing up, you know, that is a whole other layer of grief and tenderness outside of the immediate loss of say your miss, you know, your, your pregnancy loss. And once we can kind of dip our toes into feeling what those losses mean to us, the stories behind them, why, why they feel so significant in the story of our life then bit by bit, grief becomes less of this threatening, terrifying um, predator and more of this companion. As we walk through life, it's, it's, uh, it, it's going to be there. And so the more we can kind of turn towards it and say, hey, I feel you. I know you're there. I'm not 
super keen on welcoming you in completely today or whatever it is, but I know you're there and, and I'm okay and we're okay. That is, yeah, in my experience, a pivotal shift in how open we can be to joy, to pleasure. Yeah, yeah. they're two sides of the same coin. They have mm-hmm. to be. And if we want to... If we want to deepen our joy and our aliveness and our vitality, we have to be intimate and we have to befriend the grief, the loss, because with every season of life, we're gaining and losing, mm-hmm. right? So like, how can we, and I talk to my clients about this a lot in business too, because they hold on so tightly to the wrong business model, the wrong product suite, the wrong branding, the and I use the word wrong in terms of what no longer feels aligned for them. They hold on to the old because it's familiar and they know that when they lean into mm-hmm. what they're actually desiring, there's going to be grief because they have to lose the story they had attached to that brand or the idea of themselves as that type of coach or that type of CEO or that type of business model. And we we really have to just speak more to this experience of like shedding identities and the losses being okay and trusting ourselves through all of it, because I think we're all just so much stronger and more resilient than we give ourselves credit for, for sure. Like I see it in my work all the time, women, everyone, but women are amazingly powerful and strong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We've had to be right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've had to be. And I totally agree with you. And I, I feel like you've probably, you probably witnessed this as well is that the strength that we've been programmed to believe we have to exhibit underneath that, maybe the quieter, softer, more aligned strength that, that becomes available. I mean, that is a kind of power that I'm just constantly floored by when I, and I imagine that you see that all the time in these, in women who are just like, boom, they are just able to, um, really step into the visionary work that they're here to do. Yeah, completely. And it's like a real shedding of what they should do or who they should be or how they should show up. And they just, they step into what is true and real for them and authentic. And we use that word authentic so often, but it really is just like their true essence permeates then all areas of their life. And for many of them, it looks differently to what they expected. And we talk a lot about like expectations versus reality and how that creates a whole different scenario for me and my, in my evolution, I I realized that my husband, I was like, I actually want you to care for me more. I want to feel more held. I don't actually want to be this like super strong, independent powerhouse boss CEO. I want to just nourish my family and myself and my clients and create a body of work that speaks to that, but not have those like ego credentials of I retired my husband and all the other stuff that comes along with it. So it it also trickled into my relationship and into uh, every area of my life, really. Yeah, it broke me wide open. So Mm. more light could come through for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I see that all the time. And and that's so beautiful. Just this ripple effect that just begins to affect everything, the way that you show up in 
relationships and intimacy and your mothering and, and, um, yeah, I, I just so appreciate you sharing so honestly about, you know, the realities of when, um, when we are cracked open by loss and when we are really in that space of, um, that liminal space of like, okay, I can't relate to that woman anymore. And who is this woman that I'm now becoming? And who is this, yeah, this deeper, more mature version of me that, um, that is coming through and, and how inevitably there are going to be some major changes in that, uh, that period. Yeah, completely agree. I always say to my clients, I say, cause when we talk about grief now, cause they know about, I share honestly with them, they say, I'm so scared of not ever being this person again. And I say, you won't be the same person again, but Mm -hmm. you're going to be more of you. And there's Mm -hmm. really nothing to fear on the other side of that truth. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. And I, I wonder for women who might be listening and just feeling into the difference of your work maybe compared to other business strategists that they've worked with and they're just like, okay, I want a bit of that. (laughs) How can, you know, what's like the, the most simplest way that women can connect with your work and get a taste for what it is that you do? Yeah. Uh, there's a few different ways. So they can go into my website and download some freebies, uh, listen to my podcast, watch YouTube videos to get a sense of my energy. I'm also on Instagram. Uh, and then in terms of containers, I have a group program that's tiny hybrid one-on-one in group. It's very, very small. It's intimate. It's, it's a four month container. And then I also have one-on-one, which is a minimum of six months of working together. Mm. Oh, I love that. Just such a a range. And I think it's so nice that, um, yeah, you know, that there are all these opportunities to kind of come in and just like, just feel it out, feel it out because it can, Mm -hmm. I imagine, you know, for women, if, if there's something that has been evoked in you after hearing Robin speak about how she approaches, um, business and creativity and entrepreneurship. And yet there's also like, Oh, this feels like it might, ask something a little more of me than it is really nice to just have that opportunity to kind of have a little bit of a taste and, and hear more from you. So we'll definitely have all of those links in the show notes and you can, um, yeah, you can follow Robin, see what she's up to. And Robin, I'm just so thrilled to have connected with you today. I think it is going to be really beautiful and supportive for so many women in this community, particularly women who maybe are experiencing a challenging time in their life. There, there has been some big loss. They are, you know, they're in some kind of a self rebirth and just to hear that will actually all of this humanness going on here, you know, is not something that I need to reject or fix or push away in order to actually bring, um, bring my work into the world. And Mm. actually maybe it, it could be so beneficial and it could be just the exact magic that the world really needs. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I so love everything you just said. And I appreciate you holding the space for this conversation and for just doing such really, really beautiful and important work in the world. Thank you for having me. 
Oh, such a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best. Thanks, Robin. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. If you found this episode supportive or something landed for you here, please share it with your friends, family, and anyone who you feel might benefit. If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to ensure that we can keep bringing you the conversations you need. And if you want to connect, please find me at kateleeper.com or over on Instagram at kate.leeper. I'd love to hear from you.